The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Layritz. Welcome, everyone. And, of course, don't check your dials. No, it is not Friday. We have moved to Thursday. Of course, we are in a new time slot now that the season has begun. Uh, you know, during the off season, it's easy to get a hold of players on Fridays at nine o'clock in the morning. But once the season starts and once the games get kicking in, and of course, if you're anything like the New York Yankees have been the last two nights, you play these extra inning games, you don't get done till late. There is no way I'll find an interview at nine o'clock in the morning on a Friday. So we have now moved to Thursdays at eleven Pacific time, two o'clock Eastern. So please join us. Send the emails in. Send your phone calls, whatever you need to do. Uh, we are talking baseball, and, of course, the season has begun. Uh, most teams are five or six games into it. And uh, no, no, not too many surprises out there right now. Tampa Bay is leading, leading the American League East. We got Detroit leading the Central. And, of course, Texas leading the West. So really no big surprises, except for maybe the one in five Boston Red Sox. Over on the National League side, there are some surprises. The New York Mets and the Washington Nationals are leading their division, leading the National League East right now. And, of course, we know that's not going to last. But, hey, if you're a Mets fan, you can say wake up today and say, hey, my team's in first place in the NL East. In St. Louis, they are leading the Central. And, of course, the newly owned Dodgers are leading the West. So, like I said, it's only five or six games into the season. Not much to read into any of these things. But... Always fun to talk about. And, of course, uh, you know, we have some other news going on. We have Johnny Damon possibly being signed uh, with, the, with the Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland finding out that there's a good chance Grady Sizemore might be out a lot longer than they thought. And so bringing in uh, Johnny Damon may be the, the, the answer for them. So lots of things going on. And, of course, uh, you know, we have a great show, as we always do, coming up for you today. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, I'm going to have Joe Girardi, the New York Yankees manager, on our show today. One of my former teammates, and of course, we're going to talk about you know the Yankees are three and three right now. Not much to talk about there, but at the same time, they will be opening. They're having their opening day tomorrow versus the Los Angeles Angels, and of course, the new look. Angels with Albert Pujols. We'll talk to him a little bit about what to expect tomorrow. Maybe get a little comment too about his opening day's experiences and some of the things he went through, and, of course, talk about the Yankees. And then, like I've been doing over the last two weeks, 
bringing on an interesting story, not necessarily a ball player or a front office person, but a fan or maybe somebody that we used to be a fan. And I think this story will interest a lot of you um, about how sometimes things work out in baseball and how crazy you, you just never know what might happen when you meet a ball player, when things go on. And we have an interesting story coming up later on. Without giving it too much away, I'll just tell you that he started off as a conehead in the, in Shea Stadium and is now the, and I, I know I pronounce it wrong, but I'm going to call him the concierge to the boys of summer. And that's a guy named Andrew Levy who uh, now is a uh, agent for guys like Goose Gossage, myself, David Cohn, and a few other people. So we'll hear his story and a bit, really interesting story about how all of his life came about and, and how just being a fan and what that turned into uh, with his relationship with, of course, I kind of gave it away with the Coneheads, David Cohn. So we'll be talking to him in the second half of the show. But let's run down a little action from yesterday real quick. Yesterday we had the Yankees, a 6-4 winner in extra innings with a two-run, 10th inning home run by Nick Swisher that moved the Yankees to a 3-3, three 500-record. Three, record. We had the Chicago White Sox beating the Cleveland Indians 10-6. Toronto sent the Red Sox to their first 1-5 start with a 3-1 three to, three to win. Tampa Bay beat Justin Verlander and the Detroit Tigers 4-2 as James Shields gets his first win. The Oakland A's beat up on Kansas City in 12 innings, 5-4. to four. Seattle beat Texas and gave Joe Nathan his second loss in relief, a 4-3 to three win by Seattle. And in Minnesota, they outlasted the Angels 6-5 to five as Jared Weaver gives up six or five earned runs in six innings, the first time he's been beat up this year. Over in the National League, we had... Washington, a 4-0 winner over the Mets. And Steven Strasburg outdueling Johan Santana, 4-0. And we had Cincinnati beat the Cardinals, 4-3. We had Milwaukee beating the Chicago Cubs, 2-1. And ditto for San Diego over Arizona, 2-1. Philadelphia and Doc Holliday beat up on Josh Johnson and the Marlins, 7-1. Atlanta beat Houston, 6-3. And the Dodgers were 4-1 winners over the Pittsburgh Pirates. And at Colorado, the Broncos beat the 49ers 17-8. to No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't the Broncos and the 49ers. But Tim Lincecum gets beat up for the Giants as the Colorado Rockies win 17-8. to So, great day. We have a little bit of action going on right now. Uh, Tampa Bay playing. Uh, I believe it's a one nothing game there in Detroit. And uh, a few other games going on, but... Coming up now is one of my former teammates, as I mentioned earlier, and the manager of the New York Yankees, like I, and really uh, off to a pretty decent start. You know, nothing surprising. I think Tampa Bay might have been a little surprising to be swept, but at the same time, uh, you know, Tampa Bay's got a pretty good ball club. But coming on right now to talk about his Yankees, to talk about opening day coming up tomorrow is Joe Girardi. Joe, welcome to the show. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, buddy. How you been? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I'm sure you're a little bit tired. You've had a couple extra inning games the last couple of nights. I appreciate you yeah. coming on. How's, how's everything going? Well, we have a day off today, but as you know, we have the welcome home dinner tonight. I'm on my way to the ballpark. We got back from Baltimore probably about 
I got to bed about quarter to three last night. Um, but uh, we have an off day, which is important. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Joe, tell us a little bit about, you know, you guys are in spring training, get a chance to see the ball club this year, a couple new faces, a couple new things happening. Um, and now you're six games into the season at three and three. When you left spring training, tell me, was there any concerns and how are those concerns, you know, what type of concerns do you have right now when you look at the ball club? Well, I think, you know, your, your biggest concern leaving spring training is the health of your players, um, always. And, you know, we had uh, one person on the DL in Pineda, and uh, he's back to playing long toss. He was, it was a trade that we made over the winter. We gave up Montero and Noesti, two of them. You know, Noesti's in their rotation with Seattle, Montero's their DH. Um, but Pineda, I, I would think we should get back. Um, that was one of my biggest concerns. One of my other, other concerns was some of our age. You know, we have some guys that have some age. Proper rest is important, and, and picking those days and making sure that um, that those guys don't break down during the course of the season will be real important for us. Joe, you mentioned Pineda, and you saw some things in spring training that were concerned. What is it with him? They just think it's a tendonitis, or is this something in his yeah. elbow? Or what, or what, what might it? What is it? Shoulder inflammation, which is not uncommon for a pitcher. Um, it could have been the fact that he was trying to show us too much at the end there, uh, because we had a pretty uh, fierce competition. For the five starting spots, and with Andy Pettit possibly coming back, you know, I think the kid tried to do too much. He overthrew. He got some inflammation in his shoulder. Um, as I said, he's back to playing long toss, and he's throwing on flat ground, which is kind of like a bullpen on flat ground. So he's getting closer. Um, but he's a big power arm, and uh, he's someone that we would love to have in our rotation for a long, long time. Joe, you mentioned you, the, the the Andy Pettit signing and. You know, I, I I was very surprised by that. I, that. When I talked about it on my show when it first happened, you know, I had just seen Andy a few, probably a couple months before at a golf tournament, and he had said that he was happy being home and everything was good. Tell me a little bit about what you, you've had a chance now to talk to him a little bit um, and get a better idea of, you know, Andy Pettit being back after a year off. What do you, what, what do you think, and, and how does that working out? Well, I think he was a little coy with all of us. I didn't really catch wind of it until, um, you know, I saw him. He was a guy that always got up and ran very early in spring training at 7 o'clock in the morning. And uh, he came in as a guest instructor, and I saw him running at 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking, <laughs> hmm, guest instructors don't do that, you know. And yeah. There's no need for that. We can work out anytime we want. So um, I started to get an inclination, and about three days later, he came in, and he said he wanted to throw a bullpen for us. And, you know, I'm not... Jimmy, I, I think he went home. He felt, you know, his kids were where he wanted them to be. You know, when you're when you're away, a lot of the father, you have concerns about how your sons and your daughters are doing. And I think he was pleased. And I think his kids encouraged him to go back because you think about when he left um, after the 2010 season, he was an all star. I mean, he he pitched very well, um, but I think he wanted some of that family time, and he got that family time, and his kids encouraged him to come back and. During his press conference, he wasn't one that said, I will never come back. He just said, I'm retired, and I'm going to leave that door open. Um, and he left it open, and he's back. Now, Joe, you think this is a situation where maybe you're looking at maybe a, a late May, early June? Is there a, a certain timetable you guys have set, or is it just kind of just you take it day by day? Well, I, I think May is realistic, whether it's late, May, I don't know. It could be a little bit before that. You, you figure a guy gets about six or seven starts in spring training. 
Um, he's made two, so he's got five more. If you're going every fifth day or you get an extra day every once in a while, you're talking about 25 to 28 more days. So, I mean, he, he's, he's getting there. Um, but we got to see how he builds up. And, and does he need more than that seven starts uh, to build up possibly six or seven? And if he doesn't, it's realistically, you know, sometime in May we're going to see him. I believe today's the 12th. As you know, when you're playing every day, you don't ever know what the date is. You exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, you know, I would think if he's going to make it back, it could be before late May. All right, Joe. Well, that's, that's a good problem to have in your starting rotation. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your bullpen. And I, I know they've been really used a lot lately uh, and probably could use a couple of long starts here coming up. Tell me a little bit about just how you're going forward with knowing that this is Mariano Rivera's last year, probably can't go on the record with that yet, but this is probably Mariano's last year as a manager. What is it like? Are you thinking ahead of, I've got to start getting somebody else ready for the following year and put him in some situations? Or are you going to be basically just saying, I'm going to ride this Mariano train as long as I can. I think you ride it as long as you can, because I don't think there's any reason to worry over something that you don't know is going to happen again. Um, right. You know, and he has not said one way or another, you know, publicly what he's going to do. So I think he's smart in his evaluation that he's going to evaluate at the end of the year, leave that door open, do either one, and then he'll go from there. Um, I think sometimes players feel like they pin themselves down when they give a decision at the beginning of the year. I mean, what if he goes out and closes 45 games and has an ERA under two? You know, you don't know if he's going to want to walk away or not. So. Um, you know, I, I, I just take it as it is. And right now he's my closer and I'll consider him to be our closer as long as he's in that role. Joe, how have you been pleased so far with your bullpen? Um, they've done a great job. If you look at what they've done the last few days, they've been remarkable. Um, I don't know. They've probably hit six or no, probably about eight innings and haven't given up a run. Um, they've thrown the ball very well. We've had to use the guys more than we wanted to already. As you said, we need a little bit more distance out of our starters. But um, it's a nice group of guys. They complement each other, and they've done a good job. All right, let's shift our gears a little bit to your offense and tell me a little bit about what you've seen so far. And, of course, you know, early on we know, the, you know, the pitchers are way ahead of the hitters. Uh, but just tell me a little bit about what you've seen with the offense so far and any great concerns as far as that goes. Well, no, I don't really have any great concerns. I mean, you worry about guys getting frustrated, but, you know, some of our guys that are struggling are still getting on base via the walk. Um, you know, we haven't really hit a lot of long balls. We hit a couple yesterday and, and won the game, but I think from the middle of our order we have maybe one or two RBIs and we're three and three, so you can't really complain about where we're at considering, you know, those guys really haven't taken off yet, and they will. I know they will. Um, they're just too good at hitters. Uh, not to, but I mean, those are things that you have to deal with sometimes early in the season. I like our offense because I think we can do some different things because we do have speed and power. We have some guys that can really run and, and Guardian Nunez and um, Granny's a guy that has the ability to steal 30 bases. You look at all the stolen bases that we had last year. So it is an offense that is not just based on the home run, but we do have plenty of power to go with our speed. Joe, what, our, our, our DH situation when we talk about, you know, with Andrew Jones and, of, and of course, um, help me out here. Howell um, Abanez. Abanez, yes. How, how is that working out? And do you see Abanez getting more at-bats against left-handers, or are you going to pretty much stay with the platoon, you think? 
know, uh, you know what we've been doing most of the starts against left-handers is DHing Alex or, or G to kind of okay. get them off their feet a little bit. And Andrew has played left field. Of the three left-handers we've seen, Andrew's DH one time. And I'm not afraid to make the switch in the middle of the game. You know, if I feel it's, it's the time to do it. I have two really good professional hitters. Um, and it's kind of a platoon situation in a sense. And uh, they've both been very good. Uh, has probably had six RBIs and has hit the ball very well. He had a game-winning hit for us the other night. Uh, big three-run homer uh, opening day. So i been very pleased with him. Andrew Jones has swung the bat well. So I, I think we have a nice compliment. Um, and you think about a Raul Abanez, who I believe is, 40 or, or 39, by not playing every day, I, I think it's going to be beneficial for him because, as you know, the older you get, the harder it is to go back to back to back to back to back all the time, and this should keep him pretty strong. Joe, how tough is that as a manager to, to have to think about all of these different types of things and thinking about, do you have a schedule of a certain day off for certain players, or is it just pretty much you just kind of watch them day by day and, and decide when you think they need a, need a rest? You know, I think you watch day by day because the schedule can, can change depending on the length of some of your games. Um, I don't get locked into necessarily a schedule. Sometimes there's an injury and a guy has to play, you know, instead of somebody else. Um, I think the biggest key is to watch Jimmy and to listen uh, because sometimes what they're telling you is not what you're seeing out of their body because you don't get to be a great player without having, you know, a lot of pride in what you do and trying to go out there every day to help the club. So I think I have to watch carefully and sometimes make that decision for them. All right, well, let's talk about tomorrow. Tomorrow is opening day, Yankee Stadium. Uh, you know, there, you know, I, you know, Joe, you and I have been a part of many of these. The good thing that I've been looking out for is we're not going to have to worry about snow this year like we did in 96. Um, no. <laughs> but tell That's me a little bit about nice. Exactly. Tell me a little bit about what, what you're looking forward to tomorrow and what, what makes it special about opening day at Yankee Stadium. Well, I just think coming back in front of your home fans, um, there's something special about being a Yankee. There's something special about walking on to this field. And I know this isn't the field that all the other greats walked on, um, but it's got a lot of history already with what we've seen, you know, with the World Series championship, uh, Derek's 3,000 hits, uh, you know, Alex's. 600 home run, most uh, record-breaking uh, save. I mean, there's just a lot of history in, in this uniform, and to be able to do it in front of your home crowd is always special. Um, and, and we all look forward to it. I mean, I feel like we've basically been gone for two months. Um, we've been down in Florida and a brief stop in Baltimore. Uh, so for me, just to come home and sleep in my own bed was a treat. Uh, even though I didn't sleep very long, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a treat. And you always have those butterflies, and I think everyone always wants to make a good first impression uh, during that uh, first home game. And you always look forward to. It. I mean, it's just it's a great day. Well, we, you know, we talk about opening days being special, Joe. Do me a favor with my listeners, sh- t- share me what one of your most special opening days. And you know, it may not have been in a Yankee uniform; it might have been over there in Chicago. But tell me about well, it, it had to have been in Chicago. Um, my first. Day was 1989. Um, I was out of Double A. Basically, um, we were playing the Phillies, who used to kill the Cubs. I grew up a Cubs fan. I was in awe watching Mike Schmidt walk the plate. I wasn't sure if I was more in awe or upset with all the misery he's caused my family over the years. With all the <laughs> Cubs. 
Um, and we won the game 5-4. to I got to hit my first A-B. But probably most important, Jimmy, that was the night that I got engaged um, after the game to my wife, who we've been married 22 years now. So it, it's an opening day that I'll never forget, being able to realize uh, my dream to play for the Chicago Cubs and um, obviously the wonderful marriage that I have with my wife, Kim. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and Kim has been has been there every moment and everything that you've gone through. It's been awesome. Joe, tell me a little, just a little bit about um, what it's going to be like tomorrow uh, to see Jorge Posada come out and throw out the first pitch. And I know you, you, know, you know, I can't wait. Um, you know, you think about you think about your last game there. You probably don't get the recognition that you deserve because you're not assuming that it's your last game until last out of, of a World Series. So I think George is going to be paid quite a tribute tomorrow as, as well. He deserves a great Yankee, a champion, a very intense player that loved to play the game and played the game the right way and was very hard-nosed. And I, I'm happy for him. Uh, you know, retirement's not an easy thing because it's something that, you know, you think about and probably been doing since you were five or six years old. And your schedule's been created for you almost on a daily basis. And all of a sudden, your life but I'm excited the ovation he's going to get tomorrow. And it's got to be just a wonderful feeling inside for him. Yeah, no, I'm excited for him, too. You know, usually you don't see players come back to a year or two afterwards. But I think this was something that the Yankees are doing it the right way, uh, you know, giving him that, that due because it, it, it didn't end so great. But at the same time, uh, you want to keep that relationship because he meant so much to that organization. One last question. Opening day tomorrow. The new look, Los Angeles Angels, and of course Albert Pujols. As a manager, yeah. as a manager, what is that? When you have a player like that added to a team, and you know the Angels, you guys have had trouble with in the past. What do you think about, and how exciting is that going to be for to be able to see him play his first game? I think it's his first game in Yankee Stadium. Well, I got to tell you, Jim, I wish he was still in St. Louis. I got to tell you, I'm not. Gonna <laughs> do you know, when I, when I look at this club, it's a club that basically won 90 games last year, and you think about the additions that they have. Not only Albert, but they added C.J. Wilson, and they added Kendry Morales. I think that he's kind of a forgotten guy in this. The offense that he put up the year before he got hurt was pretty tremendous. So not only did they add one bat, they added really, to me, two big bats to a club that could already pitch, went out and got another, you know, basically a number one or two starter. I mean, this is a very, very tough team. Uh, the American League got a lot tougher because of people who came over from the Central Division in the National League uh, with Albert and Prince. But this is a much different Angels team to me, uh, a much more explosive offensive team, and uh, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with all year. Well, Joey, listen, I can't do anything but wish you good luck tomorrow. I will see you tonight at the Welcome Home Dinner, and I appreciate you taking the time and giving us the opportunity to, to learn a little bit about the Yankees and, of course, yourself, and I, I wish you nothing but the best of luck for this year, buddy. Thanks, Jimmy. I'll see you tonight. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. That was Joe Girardi, the New York Yankee manager, and, of course, telling us you know, all about this team this year and uh, what an exciting opening day it's going to be tomorrow, of course, with the new-look Angels coming in, but also uh, being able to welcome back Jorge Posada. Um, I tell you what, it's, it, the, the Yankees have always had a special opening day every year, and whether it was Paul O'Neill, whether it was other guys coming back, um, 
Don Larson, Yogi, you know, whoever it might be, that they always do it very special. And I think tomorrow is going to be a great day for all Yankee fans. So get out to the stadium tomorrow. Get out early. Enjoy the festivities, and uh, we'll be seeing you out at the stadium. But coming up next, as I mentioned earlier, a fan turned into a marketing guru, as I call him. We'll be coming right back after this break with Andrew Levy. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Jim Lahrens is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're inside the king's corner talking baseball with jim layritz it's time to hear from you call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346 346-9144. You can also send an email to info at gemlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. And of course, live coming to you live from New York. I kind of feel like I'm on Saturday Night Live. Uh, live from New York. And, uh, you know, we just got done speaking with Joe Girardi. Got a lot of insight on the Yankees. Opening day tomorrow. Uh, and like I mentioned last week, about bringing on different guests, and sometimes it doesn't have to do with a ball player or even a manager. Uh, sometimes it has to do with people that it's just an interesting how they got involved in the game of baseball and how they're around it. And my next guest, um, if you didn't read the article in the Huntington Post the other day or Huffington Post the other day, uh, it was a, it was a story about. How this guy, his name is Andrew Levy, and Andrew, I'll be welcoming you to the show in just a minute. Andrew Levy was a conehead at Shea Stadium back in the day when David Cohn first came up. And we're going to let Andrew tell you a little bit about the story, about how he met David, as started off as his conehead. And of course, now, after all these years, 
has become and I, Andrew, I can't say the right word. I say concierge, but it's what's what's consigliere uh, to the boys of summer is what they called you in that article. Uh, that's it. He Andrew is is now one of the leading agents or marketing guys, if you want to call them, for the likes of Don Larson, Goose Gossage, myself, David Cohn, Mickey Rivers. There's all kinds of different names, but Andrew, tell me a little bit about. Back in that day, and I can't remember the year it was, but the, the year that you started with this idea of the Coneheads, and tell us how this turned into what you're doing today. You got it. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Good, good, good. I appreciate you having me on. The, the, the Coneheads began back, oh, it was, it was 19, 1988. Um, you know, a bunch of friends from Lehigh University fraternity brothers from Sigma Alpha Mu fraternity. Just huge Met fans. Primarily, the group was uh, kids who grew up in Long Island. I wasn't. I actually grew up in Connecticut. But a, a group of Long Island guys just sitting around, you know, diehard Mets fans. And Doc Gooden at the time had the had the uh, you know the K corner. And I actually went to high school, Hopkins, up in New Haven, uh, Connecticut, with uh, David Cohn's girlfriend at the time, Lynn DeJoya. And she introduced me to uh, to Dave, and you know we got we got to know him back in actually 1987, I guess the off season between 86 and 87 came over from the Royals in a trade for Ed Hearn, and we uh, you know we just real intense fans. So one night we're sitting around in my apartment in Long Beach, New York, and I'm I'm uh, at that time selling restaurant equipment uh, at a Superior Restaurant Equipment out in Baldwin, Long Island. So a bunch of guys just who had just really gotten into their careers and were still trying to find their way around. And one night, all of a sudden, the uh, bed sheet comes off the bed, and we start tearing it apart, Rob Michaels and myself, and we start painting with Mets blue and orange paint, Cone Coner. It wasn't Cone Corner. Doc had the, cone, the K Corner, but ours was the Cone Coner. Okay. And, uh, every, every five days, we'd, uh, you, know, you could see a bunch of guys Running at the five o'clock bell, running out of the, uh, running out of their offices, ripping off their ties and uh, and putting on the putting on the cone heads, <laughs> putting on their cone head. And so you know, I got I do I have to apologize to any uh, restaurants in the tri-state area who in the late '80s didn't receive <laughs> uh, their forks and knives on time for that night's nice <laughs> meal. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, so we we we'd get together at Shea. We went up in the in the left field bleachers as high as we could go and as far away from home play as we could go we put up the banner and for every strikeout we we sort of twisted around uh these little orange pylon uh traffic cones for each strikeout we draped those over the over the railings and uh, the upper left field deck for every strikeout and it just went from there and it took on and you know we'd, we'd start seeing fans in other stadiums doing it and even as far as there were three philadelphia phillies players at the time who if you look somewhere in the archives, they're sitting in the dugout trying to hex cone that year, and and put on. They had th- three guys had cone heads on uh, on their own heads. So, you know, yeah, products <laughs> of the '70s. This, this this was the '80s, and uh, you know, we we followed Saturday Night Live suit and threw on our cone heads. Just became really a cheering section that that kind of took off from there. Well, then now tell me a little bit about how this this you know job as a restaurateur, whatever you were doing, <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, time, Jimmy. 
Exactly. <laughs> Lucky to get any job with no clue what I wanted to do coming out of college. And tell me a little bit how how did you develop this? How did you develop to start thinking about marketing players, and, and, and how did that happen? You know, it was really just one big network of uh, getting to know people on the way, really starting off as a fan and, and just really being an, an intense baseball fan in, into the Mets, uh, you know, carrying that into the Coneheads, and then just really being interested in the uh, in the in the world of, of sports and, and athletes, and trying to see how further I could promote and market professional athletes. And from there, you know, I went to work for Steiner Sports Marketing back in '89 and '90, and just always kept in touch with. And our, my friendship with Dave grew. And I got to know more and more players, and just started booking them on. On little appearances here and there, if anything, from a car wash to a bar mitzvah to whatever. And that grew into doing more corporate engagements and booking players on speaking engagements and, and personal appearances, of, of which you're one of those people, Jimmy. Of course, of course. We've done many things together. All right, Andrew, well, tell us now, this was, you're saying right around, when did you first start getting into the marketing side? Probably around, well, from Steiner I left there, I actually opened up a memorabilia store inside of A&S Department Store, which is no longer there. And uh, from, from the, the memorabilia store at A&S, just went into, you know, growing the roster, getting players to have a, a greater trust in me and in what I was putting them into, and, and really coming up with the clients where a lot of people ask who the clients are, and the clients are really not necessarily the players, per se, but the the corporations and the individuals who want to pay to have players come to an event. And when did that start? What year? That was, uh, well, Wish You Were Here Productions, which is my company, formed in, in 1990. All right, so 1990, so you've been doing this for quite a while. Listen, I've done many things with you. I can tell you all kinds of story about you and I, but listen, I want you to tell the people that are listening maybe two or three stories of certain guys that you've been with and, and, and really, you know, Andrew, you, you've dealt with so many different guys as a fan growing up as someone that you said, you know what, I would love to have that guy or meet that guy one day. Who has that turned out to be for you and, and what you've been doing? Who, I'm sorry, who would I? Well, who's the one guy that, you know what, you've, you've represented and you don't have to say me cause I'm oh. doing the show, but, uh, here's, here's, here's another, Somebody besides myself that right. you enjoy and really have had, you know, idolizes, like you said, as a baseball player too, but also been able to work with as a person. Who's the one guy that you really, and I know it's a couple guys, but can you can tell me one story or something about a guy that you've been working with that you really, really stands out in your mind? You know, it's more, it's more the group. I'll tell you what, what happens a lot from what I'm doing. Cause I, we could sit here and we could tell. Mickey Rivers stories, uh, you, know, yeah. you don't have enough time on your show to go through those. <laughs> but, uh, you know, over the years representing Don Larson and Goose Gossage and David Cohn and Greg Nettles and Bucky Dent, and there, there, there are so many stories. I wish I had taken notes and it could, it could be a fantastic book. I mean, probably one of the craziest stories was, was sending Don Larson home through a uh, snowstorm once on New Year's, <laughs> New Year's Day, probably three years ago. And okay. he just he just got tied up in like a planes, trains, and automobile situation, where we we really lost him. We, he had no cell phone to use. 
We had no idea where he was. He, it, it turns out he was, he had missed a connection. They had a connecting flight. He got caught up in a snowstorm. He was, he was holed away in a hotel with, you know, everyone's going crazy. We're calling the police at, at the Seattle airport and really, uh, He's just sitting in his hotel room waiting for his flight the next day. We finally get him. Everyone's gone crazy. We've called hospitals. We've called police stations. We've called security at the airport. And I finally reached him in a hotel. We tracked it by a credit card that he uh, had charged the room. And, and, he, and he, he answered the phone like nothing. What, what, what are you looking for me for? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there have been some great stories. But really what's, what's been interesting is just gr- growing up a huge Mets fan and really sort of segueing over into the Yankee world because of, you know, you know following Dave Cohn to the Yankees, really, and, and becoming a, a Yankee fan as well. So I do believe it is possible to be a fan of both teams. But really, growing up not liking the Yankees of the 70s at all, and now getting to know these guys who I really didn't like at that point, right. the Yankees, and the Goose Gossages, who was Goose Gossage, who I represent, the Hall of Famer, who, you know, was on the Pirates, and even as a Met fan, I couldn't stand Goose. And now <laughs> these, these are some of my closest friends. And, it, you know, it, 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 it's, it's funny growing up. You know, you, I know you've been asking your guests about opening day and what it means to you. And I, I think back to, to Goose on Pittsburgh and, and really, uh, you know, we have a, a summer house growing up as kids in, in Woodmont, Connecticut, and this Wecht, Cyril Wex family, the world-renowned pathologist, he'd bring his family from Pittsburgh in and, this is late nine, late seventies, and you know I'd be walking around with with a little transistor radio, listening listening to Mets games on the transistor radio. It's probably you know thirteen, fourteen year old kid, and the Wex would come into town every summer to their summer house from Pittsburgh, and you know they're they're unloading their SUV and their boom boxes, and they're playing Sister Sledge's uh, We Are Family, <laughs> and you know it's when you think about opening day, I'm I'm the little opening day gives everybody a chance to to play their music on their boom box and as the year goes on you may end up uh, in october listening to the games on the transistor but you all have a voice on opening day yes exactly exactly tell me a little bit about since you have been with the yankees what what can you see or let's figure out one opening day with the yankees that you stands out in your mind well probably the last one uh at the old stadium okay uh the last one at the old stadium uh, and the, the first one at this new stadium, just bringing back all the players with all the history and just running these, these personalities around the stadium, you know, and they weren't necessarily there to work that day. Some were, some had personal appearances, but there were so many guys. And I, I can't remember back if they did do opening day of 2008, something special, but I think that, you know, the closing night at the old stadium and the opening night in the new stadium where there were a lot of guys present. And that was, you know, those, those are really special times, but even, even at the old stadium, just just that opening day, the, the change of winter to spring. I mean, it hasn't been a very rough winter in, in New York this year, but just you know, you've been dealing with the snow and the cold, just walking through that tunnel at Yankee Stadium, and you're you're seeing grass really for the first time after looking at white snow for months on end. And that, that has not been the case this year, though. I will say. All right, Andrew, tell me a little bit about. What you have now uh, at, at at the new Yankee Stadium that maybe some of the fans that are listening or some even even the Yankee fans uh, could possibly maybe go enjoy a night out at the Yankee game. Tell me a little bit about what you and David Cohn have gone on as far as the perfect game suite. Tell me a little bit about what that is. Sure, sure. You know, it, back in uh, be, before the 2009 season, um, we, we were David Cohn, David Wells, 
and myself, we were touring, uh, we were just giving a tour of, of the new Yankee stand. It wasn't done yet. Uh, you know, Wells was going around as crazy and sitting on all the toilets in the women's room and the uh, <laughs> ladies' room saying, I'm not going to be able to do this all the time. And just, they, 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 were, they were showing us all the spots in this stadium. They, they showed us the, the, uh, this, this suite behind home plate. And uh, a group with the Economic Times had actually just backed out of it. And we... we I think Dave Cohn, I think it was, who said, you know, what do you do? They offered it to us, the suite. And we're like, Dave Cohn and Wells were like, yeah, this is great. Let's, let's do it. Meanwhile, I, I knew that was going to be a, a big bite to swallow. But uh, next thing you know, we're, uh, we're branding uh, what we're calling the perfect suite for the last three seasons, going into the fourth season starting tomorrow. And it's, it's directly behind home plate each night. We've got a different former player up there and, Different corporations buy the suite, uh, individuals as well, but I'd say more corporations, and they bring in their groups. And again, with the economic times where groups were giving up having an, a suite for an entire season at a baseball stadium and, and cutting, looking for ways to cut back, this was one way that they would cut back. So it, it offers the opportunity for a corporation to come in and take a game or a couple games and go up there and, and you know, really be a part of the action. And, it's, as you know, Jimmy, you've been there a lot of nights. It's, it's a lot of fun up there. It's a baseball game. It's fun, but it's almost like a, a wedding or a bar mitzvah up there every night without the wedding and bar mitzvah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And you know, it, it's, it's a great opportunity for fans, like you said, to interact with some of the older players uh, that, that do hang around the stadium, like myself and Mickey and, and a couple guys that, that are always available to do something uh, there. Andrew, tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now. Um, you know, Don Larson, you mentioned, is one of your uh, clients. And, of course, you know, the perfect game in the World Series that everybody remembers. Um, tell us a little bit about what's going on with him and, and the, the uniform that he actually was wearing. Yes. This, this, uh, the, the past couple months, um, we have worked with Don and the San Diego Hall of Champions uh, back in 1961, after the 1956 uh, World Series perfect game five against uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, Don gave his jersey on loan to the San Diego Hall of Champions. And it's been there since 1961. And at this stage in Don's life, 82 years old, he wanted to, he wanted to make sure that his grandkids were, were taken care of. Um, so... He contacted the San Diego Hall of Champions. Uh, he basically, re- we, we did a swap out with some other items that he had so they can keep a display in the San Diego Hall of Champions. And we re- recovered the uh, uniform that Don actually wore in that game. And nice. In 2009, Yogi's jersey was auctioned off uh, for $567,000, and this is actually the full uniform, which this fall, um, through in conjunction with Don, myself, and Steiner Sports, we will be auctioning it off uh, later this fall. The details we're still working out, but it will be something that will be up for auction where somebody can actually own the game-worn 1956 uniform from Don Larson's Perfect Game. Nice, nice. That, that will be quite a quite quite a thrill, I'm sure, for somebody. Yeah, no, All right, Andrew, tell me a little bit about uh, you mentioned about being able to have people come into the suites. 
uh, do different things. Tell me a little bit about how people can get a hold of you. Uh, and, and this is your chance for your plug right here to to be able to have people get a hold of you, maybe get a player or two, myself, whoever else. Uh, how can they get a hold of you? Sure. They can uh, they can call the, the, the office number, which is uh, 212-252-5500. Okay. When that phone number was set up, it's two five two cone. If you want to, uh, if you want to do it that way, if it's easy to remember, two one two two five two cone. Or else they can they can send an email to info at w y w h as in Henry p as in Peter dot com, which is for Wish You Were Here Productions. All right, and then they can, they'll get a list of players. They'll get a list of everything that they yeah, need. Yeah, I mean. It, it, a lot of corporations, a lot of people doing events. So having a player there can always enhance the event. There, you know, and you can have your childhood hero come by. You can have you know, it's great for business, great for your family for certain events, great for your friends. Well, Andrew, listen, I I think it's you know the article came out the other day, and, and what was it called? The Huffington Press. The Huffington Post, which is an online newspaper basically that's not printed it's a it's a it's a blog it's a post and it was written i gotta tell you one thing it was written by a friend of mine the article was a wonderful article written by a high school friend of mine uh named robert david jaffe who writes he's a mental health activist who writes for the huffington post and he was kind enough we met up for lunch hadn't seen him in years i met up with him and his wife barbara and we we really just had a, a, a drink at a restaurant and he, he later contacted me that evening, and he said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of writing what I write every day and on a regular basis. I just want to write one fun article. And he actually, you know, gave me some nice accolades with, uh, you know, growing up from seventh grade, basically, when we were on the baseball team together in seventh grade until now and, and takes you through, uh, through my career. So I, I thank Robert for that. Oh yeah, it was a great article, and like I said, you and I have been close friends, and we work together. And you know, I'm looking forward to a great year back with the Yankees, and of course, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow night at opening day. So, Andrew, I appreciate you giving us the time. I, it was a great story. I'm, I'm sure the listeners are, are out there, and some of these fans are trying to think, okay, how can I turn something into what you you've been able to do? And uh, you've done a great job, and you've always been loyal to me. And I appreciate you giving us the time today, buddy. Yeah, great. I appreciate it, Jim. And, uh, you know, if you need me to dust off a conehead for you, we can... Uh, there you go. We, we can do that for you. <laughs> All right, guys. That was Andrew Levy. Andrew, again, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Jim. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, All right guys. That was Andrew Levy. And uh, listen, from conehead to conciliere of the boys of summer, I mean, what better story can you get? Uh, for someone who just loves the game of baseball, and you know, we'll, we'll forgive him for loving the Mets, but at the same time, he, you know, he's smart enough to work with the Yankees. So uh, everything is good. And like I said, I appreciate Andrew giving us the time. We will be right back to close out the show. I've got a couple emails, and I'll go down some of the games today of what's going on right now and what's coming up tonight. So we will be back in two minutes. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
Jim Lahrens is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. What's the national pastime in the U.S. in the 21st century? Are you sure? Think again. Three out of four Americans have made NFL football the true American pastime. It's now one of the fastest growing sports in the world. But how do we as fans understand everything that goes on behind the scenes? Tune in to Enter the League with Eugene T. Lee Esquire as your host. Eugene was the featured NFL agent in the ESPN acclaimed documentary, The Dotted Line. And now he takes his expertise to the Voice America Sports Channel. Listen every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're inside the king's corner talking baseball with jim layritz it's time to hear from you call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346 346-9144. You can also send an email to info at gemlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. And like I said, we are live from New York. I will be live this week and next week as I am up here doing some business and enjoying the opening day festivities starting tomorrow with the Yankees. And of course, you know, Within the next day or two, all of the opening days will be over with, and we will be getting into the long haul of this marathon baseball season. Like we always say, we look at the records right now, and we tell these guys that are on top, especially some teams like the Mets and uh, some of these other teams that are up there right now, this isn't, it's not a sprint, it is a marathon. So uh, we'll see what's going on, but lots of good things today on the show. Of course, Joe Girardi. He joined us. We had Andrew Levy talking a lot about stuff about the Yankees and uh, going to the emails. And, you know, last week uh, we had a couple people on and had one of my friends who is a Miami Marlins fan uh, and talked to him a little bit about the Marlins, talked a little bit about Ozzie Guillen, and we talked about what could possibly go wrong down there with Ozzie Guillen. Well, unfortunately... That's the big news right now, and I do the email that I received from a uh, fan. It's actually Gavin from West Palm Beach, Florida. says, Jim, Ozzie Guillen made comments about Fidel Castro. Is it possible that these were taken out of context by the media, and is it something that should be made to be you know su- such a big deal? Well, yes, I mean... Unfortunately, in today's world, where the politically correct has to be politically correct, um, and especially with Ozzie Guillen being in a very Cuban culture, um, it's very difficult. It's going to be very hard, I think, for the Marlins to get through this if 
if it wasn't handled, number one, the way they did it really quickly by Ozzy coming home and apologizing. And listen, you know what? We all say things. We all make mistakes. I hope that it's just people can look at it. It's, it's just, and it's not Manny being Manny, but it's, you know, it is Ozzy being Ozzy. Um, and realize that I think if anybody knows Ozzy Guillen as well as I do, uh, that was a sincere apology. It was something that um, I think he realizes he said wrong. He made a mistake. Um, and really, there's not much more that could be said. Um, but it's going to be difficult because, like you said, that that is a very Cuban-based area. And those are the fans. That's the reason they put the stadium down in Miami was to draw more of those fans and more of those crowds. And, of course, you know, we, we, we mentioned when Ozzy was first signed, bringing the Latin culture back to South Florida and all the other things. This could be – I hope it's not. But this could be something that eventually uh, could be very, very disastrous to that area down there because they do have a good ball club. They're off to a rough start. Anything besides winning – is not going to cure this problem. It's not going to make it go away. And I think it's going to be one of those situations where uh, it was a slip of the tongue. I think most people have to understand that. I think, you know, he, he, he did say uh, something that was wrong. And, um, you know, I, 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 like I mentioned, I saw him. I watched the press conference. I saw what he said. Um, I think he's sincere. I think he's, you know, and he really wants to get that community down there and get things going and, I think you got to give Ozzy the benefit of the doubt here, and I uh, I just hope the fans and the people down there in South Florida give him that opportunity because he really does deserve it. Um, and but uh, like I said, it's it was a very tough comment for anybody of Cuban descent to swallow. So we'll see what happens. We'll, we are going to keep an eye on that. I mean, we thought we'd have enough problems worrying about Hanley Ramirez switching to third base. Josh Johnson getting beat up in the first two outings. You know, those are the things that we should be talking about and worried about. But unfortunately, um, sometimes the political side of, of comments and things that are made uh, take a bigger stage. And uh, we'll see how that, that, that pans out over the next couple of weeks um, there, down there in Florida. But uh, like I said, I'm an Ozzy Guillen fan. I like the guy. I just hope he, he, he gets an opportunity to, to – to turn that program around down there. But uh, that would be my answer to that question. Um, the last email I got, I'm just going to do it real quick. I only got a couple minutes here, uh, is from a New York fan. Uh, it is from Justin in Long Island. And Justin says, Jim, been listening to the show. It is great to hear that you're going to be at opening day. What's it going to be like for you? Well, you know what? It's it's pretty special for me. You know, as any, everybody knows that, over the last couple of years, I've been through tough times and things like that. But, uh, you know, not being a part of that Yankee family for the last few years has been tough. And uh, they've been very instrumental in my life uh, lately. They've helped me uh, go back and get my children, get custody of my kids, and they helped me fight that battle. And uh, it's just really good for me to, to be welcomed back into their good graces. And I'm looking forward to, number one, the welcome home dinner tonight, but also uh, – opening day and and just being a part of that family again because it's meant so much to me and my family me and the boys uh and you know lawn trust who i owe the biggest debt of gratitude that i could possibly ever give anybody 
um, you know, whatever, whatever I can do to be a part of that family again, and whatever I can do to help the Yankees be, become part, you know, to, to do something positive in the community, whatever it be, uh, I'm looking forward to that again. So, no, thank you for, for the welcome back. Uh, I'm looking forward to tonight, like I said, an opening day, and, of course, the rest of this year. So, all is good here in New York. Um, like I mentioned, we are now on Thursdays at 11 o'clock Pacific time, 2 o'clock Eastern. Uh, this just gives me a little bit more time to give some of those players on the West Coast an opportunity to get up before I interview them because I know at 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, after watching games all night on TV, I'm tired the next day. So uh, I can't imagine how some of these guys are. But uh, we will be coming to you live every Thursday, 11 a.m. Pacific time. And uh, we look forward to getting your emails. Keep the emails coming in. Let's get some callers next week. Let's have some people ready to talk about baseball. And uh, like I mentioned, I'll be coming to you live again from New York next week. And uh, I hopefully by Monday or Tuesday will let you know who I will have on the show. And it'll probably be a former Yankee, I'm sure, that I've had a chance to talk to. Uh, but also someone relevant to what's going on in today's news. So... Thank you again, Joe Girardi. Thank you, Andrew Levy, for joining me. And we will be with you next Thursday, 11 a.m. Be there. We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Corner, talking baseball with your host, Jim Layritz. We can't wait to have you come back next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend.